Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we have begun our Nativity Fast, we come to this Sunday and we have in commemoration for this particular day the prophet Obadiah. And if you've recognized over this past year, if I have a chance to talk about a prophet of Israel, then I'm going to take advantage of talking about a prophet of Israel. Does anyone remember me mentioning Obadiah in the past few, I shouldn't say weeks, probably months, back in late summer, Obadiah shows up in the life of the prophet Elijah. Obadiah, whose name means slave of Yahweh or servant of Yahweh, lived and served in the court of King Ahab. A king, I don't know if you had, but when I was growing up, we had in our Sunday school, I did not grow up Orthodox, so you would not see this in Orthodox Sunday school. Did anyone else have the smiling and the frowning kings? Is it, you know what I'm talking about? We had in our Sunday school room all of the kings of Israel and Judah. And if they were a good king, they were smiling. If they were a bad king, they were frowning. So the room was surrounded by frowning kings because if you know the story of Israel, it's a lot of bad kings. I think there were three smiling kings, maybe two. So that's kind of an odd setting for a Sunday school, but that, I guess that was our iconography at the time. So what we have with Ahab is probably one of the great images of bad kings of Israel. That's because he was married to Jezebel. There's a reason why you don't meet women named Jezebel today. Because Jezebel, Queen Jezebel, was not just your typical wicked, she was ravenously wicked. The encounter that Obadiah and Elijah have is because Obadiah is a go-between to Jezebel. Because Elijah has run away, there's a drought on the land, and Jezebel wants Elijah. Not to serenade him, make a dinner for him, but to take care of Elijah. Because Jezebel had been hunting and killing all of the prophets of Israel. Obadiah is the one who goes to Elijah and says, Are you sure? Are you really sure? And the reason why Obadiah was concerned is because Obadiah had 200 prophets of the Lord sequestered away, living in caves where he was feeding them. He had two different caves. One, if they were discovered, so a hundred would perish, so there would still be another hundred. But Obadiah is someone who did not follow the example of Ahab and Jezebel, but served as much as he possibly could Elijah and the prophets of Israel, therefore God himself. And it is Obadiah who followed after the example of Elijah. And if you are trying to find the book of Obadiah in the Old Testament, you may want to go and find the table of contents. Does anyone remember how long the book of Obadiah is? I know this is kind of esoteric when we get to this granular detail. 21 verses of the book of Obadiah. So you can go read that this afternoon if you want. But this was a vision given to Obadiah, the one who is obedient in the midst of such chaos 
and rebellion. And this is a prophetic vision about the fall of Edom. Does anyone remember where the kingdom of Edom comes from? Who was their forefather? Who did they trace their lineage back to? Esau. Esau. Who's Esau? Brother of Jacob, right? So go back and refresh yourself from the book of Genesis, where we have Edom. And Edom pops up a lot in the Psalter, in the Old Testament, because this is, if you want to say cousins, this is the brother of Israel. And this book of Obadiah, a vision from God, from Yahweh to Obadiah, is a pronouncement of judgment against the brother of Jacob, against the cousins of Israel. Edom was arrogant. And it is known by Obadiah that we know from Obadiah and from the rest of Scripture. Uh, the descendants of Esau had basically uh, made their lives in the mountains. So when Obadiah starts his word of, from the Lord against them, it is because of their arrogance. Though, Obadiah says, you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars because you live up in the mountains, God says he will bring you down. Why is this? Esau, the descendants of Esau, while Esau and Jacob reconcile in Genesis, this does not continue through time. The whole prophetic word of Obadiah given by God is a word against Edom's arrogance. And this arrogance, as we know what arrogance does to us, led to ruptures in all of their relationships. Though they were perched like eagles, they were so far away from others, even their brother, such that in the time when Nebuchadnezzar comes and sacks Jerusalem, which is further from Obadiah, because this is a prophecy, who helps Nebuchadnezzar in the sacking of Jerusalem? It's not mercenaries, it's not Egypt, it's not classical enemies. It is the Edomites who come and help loot Jerusalem. It is the Edomites who come and actually hunt down Israelites who have escaped Jerusalem in order to bring them back to Nebuchadnezzar, to the Babylonians. So this word of judgment from God through Obadiah is a word about two warring brothers or cousins where the Edomites have lost all sense of proportion, all sense of who they are and who their neighbor is, to tie it back to last week's gospel, such that Obadiah says, how could you forget that blood is thicker than water, that you are related, and it is your arrogance is such that has blinded you that you have looted your brother's city. Now, what does God have to say about this? When God says you'll bring them down, the word from Obadiah is that the day of the Lord is upon all the nations. For as you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. 
This word from Obadiah about the day of the Lord gets picked up throughout the rest of the Old Testament and into the New Testament. When we say the day of the Lord, we mean the day of Jesus Christ, of his appearance. But this day of the Lord and the appearance of Christ is also in the words of Scripture, it is a day of judgment. For as it says, as you have done, it shall be done to you. Because the judgment of God, the day of the Lord, is always an exposure for what one truly is. Edom in its pride, its self-reliance, its self-concern, its self-aggrandizement had turned against its own brother, against its cousins. And without God, this is what the whole structure of judgment is. We exist, you and I exist, because God has us to exist. I wouldn't say allow, he loves that we exist. It's not that he just tolerates our existence. We exist because of his overflowing bounty of love. And so when God says that there will be judgment, as Obadiah says, all judgment is, is just taking back the veil, the mask that we like to wear and just showing it in all of its truth. For without God, we don't exist. So all things that are not from God don't really exist. They just dissipate. This is the word of the Lord from Obadiah to Edom that the day of judgment is coming where they will be. And Obadiah is very clear. They will be wiped out. They will be exposed for what roots they do not have, for where they truly stand, which their fruits had already been born, looting and destroying their own brother. So that just sounds like Old Testament, Father. What about Jesus? Well, let's come to the gospel and hear what our Lord has to say today. We do not hear in the pericope, but what makes this parable come forth from our Lord is a debate between two brothers. Two verses before, one comes from the crowd to Jesus and says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus says, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. This is then where he turns and he tells the parable of the man who is doing really well. He's doing so well. I love this self-siloquy that he has. He just, the whole time, he's talking to himself. He's not talking to anybody else. And if you just hear the rhythm, I, 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 I. What is his concern since he has been doing so well? What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Does he go and ask his wife? Does he go and ask some friends? Does he go and ask the rabbi? No, he says to himself, speaking to himself, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, (laughs) soul, it's like, I I can't pat my back with this on, right? (laughs) Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, And be merry. What does God say? It's very nice that you had all of these plans. It's very nice that you 
have been blessed, that you have set yourself at ease. But God says to him that evening, your soul is required of you. Then what's going to happen to all this stuff? That's my gloss on it. Who will those things be which you have provided? So our Lord says, he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Is this not a judgment? Jesus even talks here about who made me a judge over you. It is self-evident. What shows forth from Edom? What shows forth from this brother who obviously wants to come and get a word into his dispute so he can get the money that he needs? And I'm sure of you, of many of you who have lived long enough to know how an inheritance can really expose what's going on in a family. How it can show to the roots or what roots are there. How money, how things, how self-concern, self-aggrandizement can show that there, there really is no relations. There really is no good The judgment that comes for this man who has sought to lay up for himself goods for himself and not riches towards God. It is a word from God. It brings everything into sharp focus that has not been in focus. And it puts before us, as we see the prophetic word from Obadiah to Edom in their pride and in their self-concern, and even in their greed and lack of concern, that we have our Lord repeating and putting before us the same thing. Where are our treasures? Do we choose things and experiences and pleasures over all of our relationships? What does our mind and our heart imagine? What do we dream of? What do we plan for? It is, is it how do we come closer to God? Is it how can I heal relationships? How can I be what God wants me to be for the sake of my family and friends? Or is it what's going to happen in retirement? Or how do I need to get ahead at my job? Or etc., etc., etc. All of things that are good things, but they all have to be in the right perspective. We do not love by instinct as much as all of the movies that we're going to be seeing or is going to be playing everywhere we go in the music. We do not love by sheer instinct. We have to train ourselves to love. We have to, little bit by little bit, deny ourselves and learn how to love. Because to truly love other people, anyone with children, anyone with close friends or really wanting to have relationships, those relationships are crosses for us. This isn't morbid, it's just the reality of it. That life comes through exactly dying on that cross of those relationships for the sake of of the other. This is what Edom needed to do. This is what the man who instead of having relationships with others has built up a barn for himself 
to no end. This is what the judgment of God reveals. And we, brothers and sisters, have, in many ways, the blessing to have every time we stand before God or to stand at the holy altar to come forward to receive Holy Communion is to ask God to judge us, to reveal to us who we are and what we need to grow in, to stand before Christ and have him burn away all the carnality, all of the pride, all of the self-concern with love for him and for others. This we ask through the prayers of the prophet Obadiah, that we may come to truly love, to not be like the eagles in the pride that soar above everything, but to be down with our Lord amidst all of the people dying where we need to die so that we can be resurrected in glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.